0: This is the unsolved case of Eddie Hamilton, a two-year-old boy who vanished from a national park back in 1928 while his parents were picking berries. National park disappearances are often some of the most bizarre cold cases, with very little evidence left behind. And the strange and unsolved case of Eddie Hamilton is no exception. Mr. and Mrs. Freeman Hamilton were berry pickers. They did this to earn a living, not just for fun like you and I may do. By all means, both of them were incredibly hard workers. As pretty much everyone will tell you, picking berries is not an easy task, and these two did it virtually every day of their lives, rain or shine, heat or snow. The young couple had two children, Eddie, who was two years old, and his sister Elizabeth, who was a little bit older at about 10. Eddie was described by his sister as being quite large for his age, and was also quite lively. He was always up to something, and he was a difficult child to keep tabs on. With this in mind, it almost becomes understandable how the child could have gone missing in the woods, but this idea is quickly squashed when you realize how tight of a grip the Hamiltons had on their children. Their kids were their number one priority, and they were never allowed to leave their parents' sight without being with one or the other parents. This makes it all the more strange how on July 6th, 1928, Eddie would vanish without a trace, even though both of his parents were nearby. The family had been visiting White Bear Hills with another young family. They'd visited this area to pick berries during the warm summer months, and both families had quite a bit of experience. White Bear Hills was located in Elrose, Saskatchewan in Canada, with a population of just a few hundred people at the time. It was around noon when this missing person case truly began. The Hamilton family and the Smith family had been in their cars having lunch and cooling off a bit before getting back to work. Mrs. Hamilton recalled that Eddie had eaten a particularly heavy lunch that day, so she was wondering and probably secretly hoping they would fall asleep so that the rest of the family could pick berries in peace. However, quite the opposite happened. As soon as their lunch break was over, Miss Hamilton and Mrs. Smith, along with Elizabeth, began their trek a short distance away to pick berries from a bush that they spotted in the distance. Eddie had also begun to tag along, but about halfway there, he decided to turn back and shouted towards his mother that he was going back towards the car to follow his father instead. Mrs. Hamilton and Mrs. Smith were still near the car when Eddie returned, begging his father to let him grab a small bucket so that he could pick berries as well. His father agreed and opened the door for him so that he could find another bucket. After finding one, Eddie hopped out the other side of the car and took off. The details of this particular moment are a bit contradictory, depending on which report you decide to read. But it seems that Eddie's father believed that Eddie was going to follow one of the other men that was present that day, while Eddie's mother thought that he was going to follow his father. It's situations like this that seem to lead to many unsolved National Park disappearances. Simply misunderstandings can cause things to fly out of control quite easily. As it would turn out, some of the other children who were present that day were allowed to pick berries on their own. However, the Hamilton children were not permitted to do so, and were to stay near their parents at all times. However, Eddie doesn't seem to have obeyed this rule, and as soon as he exited the car with his bucket, he ran off on his own, and his father had no idea. It was about 15 minutes later when Mrs. Hamilton realized that her son was now a missing person. She shouted across the area towards Mr. Hamilton and asked if Eddie was with him. He responded that he hadn't seen Eddie since lunch, adding that he thought he'd followed one of the other men into the brush. However, when Mrs. Hamilton looked around for Eddie, she noticed that he was nowhere to be found, and none of the other men had seen him either. Eddie's family immediately began searching for him. Keep in mind, while this area was surrounded by hills and trees, this specific area where the family had been picking berries was particularly flat. Some reports suggest that you could easily see in the distance for more than a mile, but this hasn't been completely confirmed. The families all searched for Eddie and called his name for quite some time, but they received no answer and saw no sign of him in the nearby area. Before long, Mrs. Hamilton got back into the car and drove away to alert the police, while Mr. Hamilton and some of the others stayed behind to continue the search. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police showed up almost immediately, and a search team of around 1,500 volunteers would show up soon after. In the following days, local businesses from neighboring villages had shut down, and they instructed all of their employees to attend the search and rescue effort to try to track the boy down. At the time, the search for missing Eddie Hamilton was regarded as one of the largest search and rescue operations to have ever taken place in the White Bear Hills area. The search of the area was incredibly thorough, and more than three square miles of land were searched multiple times. Local farmers even showed up with their tractors and dragged the nearby lakes to make sure that the boy hadn't fallen in and been unable to swim out. Police were left with very little information to go on. By all means, it seemed as though the boy had simply vanished. After a couple of days of searching, planes were commissioned from local businesses, and they were used to hover around the area and search for any clues. They didn't find much, but they did happen to find a small area where grass had been broken and packed down, possibly showing an area where Eddie had laid down for a rest. Before we keep going with the case, though, I'd like to take a really quick poll in the comments. Let me know if you're actively watching this video or if you're just listening to it. I know this sounds like a strange question, but it'll help myself and the channel out a lot. So if you've got a moment let me know in the comments section but when search teams showed up to this area they found no trace of eddie his mother was particularly concerned because it had begun to rain on the evening that the boy went missing however police say that they were unconcerned with this as he was a big enough child that he'd be able to survive the rain without any difficulty By July 13th, about a week after Eddie had vanished, an article was posted in the local newspaper that mentioned investigators found a trail of both boot prints and heel prints in a nearby area. The prints were investigated, but police had no idea who they may have belonged to or why they would have been there in the first place. As far as the two families knew, they were the only ones in the area on the day that Eddie went missing. The search for young Eddie would last more than three months, with hundreds upon hundreds of people doing their best to find the missing child. But this was all to no avail. If we fast forward several months to October 25th, 1928, A traveling salesman reported that he was duck hunting in the area near where Eddie had disappeared. It's been said that he was around 3.5 miles from the area where the family had initially been berry picking. The man had been on White Bear Lake when he looked out and saw a small object floating in the river. As he got closer, he realized it was a small boy. Police arrived soon after and pulled Eddie out of the water. Reports seemed to indicate that it was obvious that he had passed away quite some time ago, but his family was able to make a positive identification and confirmed that it was indeed young Eddie Hamilton. He was found in a river that had already been dragged and searched multiple times. None of the newspapers from the area ever mentioned how strange it was for the boy to have been found three months after he went missing, and they also didn't acknowledge how odd it was that he was found in an area that had already been thoroughly searched many times before. Though this does seem to be a trend with national park disappearances. In many of these cases, people have gone missing in national parks and they'll eventually be found just a short distance away from where they vanished, in an area that had already been searched numerous times. This is yet another anomaly about these missing person cases that no one can seem to explain, but it has become a recurring trend. Another interesting aspect of Eddie's case is that in order to get to White Bear Lake, he would have needed to scale an 1800-foot cliff that was quite steep in order to get there. He would have needed to walk down into a valley, then make his way into the water. So how is it that a boy that was only two years old would have been able to do this? Now, I do have a theory that may seem quite obvious, but oddly enough, I haven't seen anyone mention this online or in any of the newspaper write-ups about this case. Quite simply, the boy could have been living off the berries in the area and gradually made his way up the cliff over a matter of hours, days, maybe even weeks. You've got to realize that natural berries like this are pumped with nutrients. They're also full of fluids as well, so he wouldn't have become dehydrated. Now, I'm no doctor, but it seems quite reasonable to assume that a young boy could have survived off of these berries for quite a long amount of time. In reality, there's a chance the boy could have been alive for the entire three months that he was missing. And it's possible he may have simply fallen into the lake the same day that he was found, maybe because he saw another human for the first time in months and was rushing over to greet them and just fell. We just don't know. The odd thing about this theory is that in 95% of most missing person cases that involve children, the child refuses to climb any sort of incline. Children are almost always found in the most flat areas of the wilderness, though there's no telling what a two-year-old boy might do under the right circumstances. This is a truly heartbreaking case, but let's just hope that the boy's final moments weren't as painful and tragic as they appear to have been. But that's the video for today, you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to hit that like button. If you loved it, maybe consider sharing, subscribing, or clicking that blue join button below to really show your support for the channel. But my name is Ty Knots, and I'll catch you guys in the next video.